Well, good morning again. I want to I begin this time by, um, first of all, just recognizing all of our veterans here today. Um, yeah. I know that we have November 11th as a day to recognize and celebrate veterans, but we are um, grateful every day for those of you who have served and continue to serve. So please receive our sincere thanks. Um, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at a, a couple of passages today, but um, that's going to be our core text, and we're going to spend some time there initially. So I just want to invite you to look there. If you don't have a Bible, hopefully you receive the handout on your way in here. It has the passages printed for you, and if you're online, those are available for you um, digitally as well. Now, um, I knew, um, you know, if you were here this last week, you know that we started a series, a four-week series on mission and vision. And I knew, um, I've only here, been here for a couple of months, but I knew even coming in here that rather quickly I wanted to spend some time talking about and reviewing the mission of the church. Um, it's so important for us to recognize what the mission is that God has called us to um, and it's, it's just vitally um, important. And I know that um, as a church, we are going through changes and we'll go through challenges, um, but the mission that God has set for the church over 2,000 years ago has not changed and will not change. And so whether we're going through a pandemic or we're going through um, a personal crisis or we're going through moments of fear, moments of uncertainty, moments of healing, the mission doesn't change. And as a church, we have to come back and say, how can we stay on mission no matter what? What has God called us to be about in the midst of every season that we are about? So that's why it's such an important thing for us to talk about and why we're going to be um, looking at <clears throat> today and for the next several weeks. I will say this, though, on a personal note, I'm very grateful for your continued prayers for the church, and I invite you to continue to pray for us. And as we begin this time together, I just want to invite you to pray with me as we open this time and we, before we look to God's Word. But let's take a moment and let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the fact that we can come into your presence and know that you are here, that you are a personal God. And so we, we, we step into this time, this moment, God, and we don't want to miss the fact that you're here. Lord, we're coming to seek you. We're coming to know you. We're coming to hear from you. So God, we ask that you would help us to do just that. Help us to experience you today. Help us to hear from you today. God, help us to um, be ready for all that you want to do in us and through us as a church, God, that you would do all that you need to do in our lives, in our hearts, in our relationships, Lord, so that we can be the church that you're calling us to be, so that we can stay on mission together. God, we pray this together in your name. Amen. Okay, what I'd like to do, um, like I said, we're going to be looking at Matthew 28 and a couple of other passages, but would you please stand um, for God's word? We're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 28, just a couple of verses that just remind us of the mission that we are called to and um, that we stand under submission to. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 28, uh, beginning in, in verse uh, 19. Actually, verse 18, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. Okay, you may be seated. Now, I've said this already, um, but as a church, the issue of staying on mission and understanding our vision is vitally important. And part of that is because um, there's some certain realities that we're facing as a church that um, are, are concerning. And so it's all the more important for us as a church to say, how can we stay on mission in the midst of some of the challenges currently that the church, especially in the United States, um, that we're living in, are facing? And so just want to point out a couple of things. When it comes to the church in the United States, we see that the church attendance um, is uh, declining, that there is, a, there is a decline in the church in terms of its attendance. In 2000, the average uh, church was 137, the average attendance. Then in 2010, the average attendance was 105. In 2020, the average attendance is 65. Now, we're in a pandemic, and it's gotten even worse. There's been less of that, and so we see that there is a decline happening in the church that is a reality that we, we're facing. Now, there's other church realities, and I'll just mention a couple of them. The first one is this, that the average church reaches approximately approximately three people for Christ each year, that over half of those churches, half of the churches that were polled in this, in this survey, um, have not reached even one person for Christ over this past year. A majority of new converts leave the church within eight weeks of their proclaimed commitment to Christ, and the fourth one, on average, at least 14 churches per day cease to exist as a church. And so when you look at some of these statistics, you're, you recognize, yes, it's never been more important for us to recognize and to stop and say this mission that we're on is critical. It's very important because in the United States, we're seeing the church decline. Now, I will say this. We are talking about the church in the United States because Christianity as a whole, globally, is still alive and well. We see that happening in the, Af- in, in, the, in the Latino world. We see that happening in the Asian world. In the African world, we see that the Christian church is exploding. But here we are in the United States, and we're seeing a decline. We're seeing challenges. So it's never been more important for us to stop and say, okay, what is it that we need to be about as a church? And it's so important for us to get, because we're living in, in, a, in a country right now where the next generation is not being discipled. In fact, that there's a, dis- there's a disconnect between this next generation and the, the local church. We're seeing an unprecedented number of division taking place within the church Um, And we're seeing this inward division within the church across our country that's keeping the church from being effective in terms of sharing the good news to our community, to people around us, because we're spending so much time you know, frustrated and fighting with one another, we're missing it. And so there's challenges that we're facing there. At the same time, the church is God's plan A for reaching the world. Not, there is no plan B. It's the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I believe that to be true. We, we, we have a God whose plan is to use the church to advance his kingdom, to reach the world with the good news. And so we need to be on mission and recognize, God, what is it that you're calling us to be about and what is it that you're calling us to do? Yes, God is sovereign, he's still in charge, but there's still a personal responsibility that we have to say, how can we stay on mission as a church? Because the church is the bride of Christ. And so we have to do all we can to care for the bride and to say, how can we be a bride that that reflects the good news, who Jesus Christ is to a, a lost and hurting and broken world? 
And so the mission is critical. How we stay on mission, it's so important and it's so essential. So before we talk about mission and our vision, what we talk about the next couple of weeks, let me just spend a moment to define some terms. The first one is this. What is the mission? What does it mean? The mission is this. Answer the question, why do we exist? Why do we exist? And the vision is what are we doing? So the mission is why do we exist? And all Christian churches really derive their, our mission from the same passage. We're going to look at Matthew 28. All legitimate Christian churches look to the, the Great Commission, is what it's called in Matthew 28, to help us understand why we exist and what we're about. Now, the vision, how we do it, what that looks like for us, can be different from church to church. And we'll spend some time talking about what that looks like for this church and how God is shaping that in the, in the, in the weeks to come. So that's what we're talking about. Now, in terms of staying on mission, we need to look to Matthew 28 to help us understand it. So let me just, we'll spend some time looking at this, this, um, this passage together. Let me just read it for you. It says this in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wait right here. Let's go back to that 18. It says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus, at the very beginning, before he's telling us what he's calling us to do, he's basically saying, all authority has been given to me. He's pulling out the trump card. He's saying, this is my call. He's saying, this is, I'm in charge. I have all authority. And so this is what I'm calling the church, what I'm calling you to be about. This isn't a, a great suggestion. This isn't just a good idea. This isn't just a, an option that Jesus wants to throw out. He's saying, no, all authority has been given to me. Now listen up. So this is where he's coming from. He's pulling out the authority card and he's saying, now listen, all authority has been given to me. What does he say in verse 19? It says this, therefore, again, therefore refers to all authority given to him. This is what he's calling us to be about. This is what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we'll stop right here. Again, this passage here, this is where Jesus is then now giving. Here's the instructions. Here is what the mission of the church is to be about, what, we, what we're called to do. And I, um, we'll go back, go back to the previous slide for a moment. Um, so here we have the, this, this statement that he's making. And I'll just add here, I love this statement at the end. Um, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I'll just stop there because we're going to go back and look at the other commands in this passage. But I love that statement. And I know that sometimes we we'll, might want to pluck that statement out and say, hey, God's always with us. And that's true. But I love it. It's in the context of the Great Commission. That God's special care, his blessing, his presence is with those who are a part of personally and corporately fulfilling the Great Commission. So we need to understand it in its, con in its context and saying, yes, as we're fulfilling the Great Commission, this is that great promise that he gives to with us. Now, in the Great Commission here, these verses, um, Jesus is giving four commands. There's four different commands, and I, I highlight them so that you can see them. Um, this is the next slide here. Go for it. It says this. It says, go. This is the, one of the commands. Make disciples, baptizing, and teaching. So these are the four commands in this passage. Now, the question is, are all of these commands equally weighted? Are they all the same, that these are the four things we're supposed to do? And the answer to that is no. Grammatically, there's one main command. And then there's three commands that are descriptive commands 
on terms of how that looks. And so the main command in this passage, if you want to circle it, highlight it, is this, make disciples. That's the main command grammatically in these verses, that he's calling us to make disciples. So our mission truly as a church needs to be about making disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, what's a disciple? A disciple is a follower or a learner anyone who has a growing faith in Jesus Christ. So anyone who's learning and following and has a growing faith in Jesus Christ is a disciple. That's what we're called to do. Help people be learners. Help people be followers. Help people have a growing faith in Jesus Christ. That is our mission, to make disciples. Now, that I told you that's the main command in the passage, but then there's three participial phrases that modify that, that describe how we're to do that. And that's what I want to focus on next. And I give them for you there. There's the going, there's the baptizing, the teaching. The first one is going. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. And literally translated, it's as you are going. So that's what he's saying. As you are going, um, you're to make disciples. Um, And so this idea of as you are going comes with the idea that it's to be a lifestyle. That how do we make disciples is we're going, and go ahead and go to the next slide. It's as a lifestyle. So we can, can you you go to the, there we go. It's as a lifestyle. This idea that we're going out is is part of who we are, our daily experience. Now the idea of going does mean, because it's clear, it says to, to all the nations. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That is, we have to be willing to go wherever God sends us. But the idea of as we're going means as we're living life. Discipleship is not just a, um, a, you know, a 12-week course or a, a book that you read. Discipleship, making disciples, is something that you do on an ongoing basis. As you live your life, you're walking alongside of people. Now, you might do a 12-week course as part of that discipleship process. You might read a book. You might do a Bible study. You might go on a mission trip all a part of discipleship and making a disciple, but it's a lifestyle. It's as you're living, as you're going, and we're to be willing and ready to go to the nations, which is why one of the things I love about South Hills Church is you have a heart for the nations, that you've taken that seriously, that you've said, hey, yes, we want to go to the nations. We want to bring people uh, the good news of Jesus Christ in the all reaches of the world. In fact, I love that there's the ministry, Rahima ministry, and I'm learning more about it, the ministry to Kenya, that we've said, hey, we want to support and care for and, 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 and serve these, ch- these kids, this school, this ministry that's taking place for these, these, these children in Kenya. I love that, that we're going to the nations that we're making disciples of the nations. And as a church, we've wrapped our arms around that being a part of our mission, a global mission. But the interesting thing too, and I've said this before, is that God is bringing the nations to us and that we have to be ready to say, how can we also reach out to people who are different from us but are from the nations that God's bringing here? And I've, I've, I marvel at how um, ethnically diverse the Tri-Cities is. As I've been here, it's been just, it's fun. I love it. I love the diversity that I see in Tri-Cities and how God is bringing the nations to us. And again, how South Hills has opened, opened the doors and opened your hearts to the African church, the, uh, the congregation that meets here. 
And as I've talked to Dawood about the, the, the Cornerstone Church that meets here and is a part of our, of our, our church, I love that it's, it's, it reaches Sudanese people. It reaches people from Nigeria, Congolese. It, it's, it's, it's truly an African church, and I just love that. We're saying, hey, let's go and reach the nations, but also let's be ready to reach the nations that God brings to us. But that's part of it. It's a lifestyle. It's you reaching people at your school. It's you reaching people at work. It's you walking alongside people in your family. As you're going, it's a lifestyle. Then secondly, it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the idea is this, that you're helping people find Jesus. Baptism, what that is, is a, it's a public declaration of a, a personal decision. Someone has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism is a public declaration that they're now a Christ follower and they identify with him and his people. And I mentioned this already, but during the second hour today, we have two gals who are going to be baptized. And it's an it's a, it's exciting thing because they're saying, hey, I've, I have a personal faith in Jesus that I want that to be public. And I want to share that with the church. And I love that they're going public about it. You know, you, could, you can get baptized in your backyard, you can get baptized anywhere, but I love the fact that as a church, we get to say, let's do it publicly as a, as a community so that we can corporately celebrate God at work in people's life. And if that's something that you're interested in, you're saying, hey, I, I would like to take that step, that step of baptism, then let us know because we would love to walk with you and help you understand what baptism is about and, and, and how, how meaningful it could be. We'd love to celebrate with you. But baptism typically is that front end side of the faith that we see it in Scripture over and over. Someone comes to faith in Jesus and they're baptized. They trust Jesus and then they're baptized. And so it's that front end in which, is, which it helps us recognize that we need to be about helping people find Jesus, helping people put their faith, inviting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's part of what the Great Commission is about. Now, it's not just baptizing, but it also talks about teaching. It's teaching them to obey is what it says in, the, in that passage. And the idea is this, that we're helping people follow Jesus. That it's not just baptism, the front end of their faith, but then we're also teaching them to obey, that is to follow Jesus. And I think it's important that just to recognize when it comes to this passage, when it says teaching, that we're teaching them to obey. And because sometimes I think we can get caught up thinking that teaching should, all be, should just be about information, that we're trying to transfer information to somebody, help them to know more about God and just, just get that information. But the point here is that teaching should be towards application. Teaching should be towards following Jesus and living out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so it's an ongoing process. We're all still learning. We're all still being taught so we can be better followers of Jesus Christ. But there's the helping people find Jesus and helping people follow Jesus. This is all about how we make disciples. This is what we find here in the mission. Now, I, I, I want to just mention that in the American church, there's a little bit of a separation that can happen sometimes when you look at the Great Commission. And it dates back to 1850. Let's go back to the next slide there. Charles Adams in 1850, he, he um, kind of took some, some terms and gave some definitions, and they're actually very helpful definitions, but in so doing, it also kind of created a little bit of a uh, separation between these two concepts that I don't think is fully there in the Great Commission, but I do think these definitions are helpful. He def he, first thing is he, he defined evangelism as the process of bringing people to Christ. 
the process of bringing people to Christ. Then he defined discipleship as the process of growing people up in Christ. Now, again, I think these are great definitions, but what happened over time is that we kind of have come to separate the two. And so what you find is um, churches or organizations that tend to focus on one over the other. And in some ways, there's a, a need for that because Oftentimes when the church has been weak, there's a parachurch organization that kind of steps in to, to, to strengthen some of those weaknesses. And so we'll see, on terms of the evangelism side, you, you'll, you'll see uh, the Billy Graham organization, or Luis Palau, or Young Life, um, or Campus Crusade, also known as Crew, in terms of helping people, um, the process of bringing people to Christ. That's their focus. But then there's also a discipleship organizations, Bible Study Fellowship and Navigators and InterVarsity that are all about how do we help people become better followers, grow in their faith. And this is an interesting thing that the church also can tend to emphasize one over the other. That there are many churches that end up being more on the evangelistic side. It's all about bringing people to faith in Christ. And then once they do, oh, they're kind of on their own. Or they, another, another side of the coin is that the, a church could be more focused on helping people grow in their faith, but they're not seeing new converts. And as a church, the Great Commission encompasses both. And we need to recognize that. And we won't do it perfectly, but that we, ha- we have to we cannot afford to miss the fact that we're called to do both. That is, as a church, we're called to, let's go to the next slide, we're called to help people both find and follow Jesus. That we, again, will tend to be weighted on one side or the other. That's just, tends to be how it happens. But but we can't lose our focus that we say as a church, as South Hills Church, we need to be helping people find Jesus on that front end of their faith, but also how do we help people follow Jesus growing in their relationship with Christ. So this is our mission. We need to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, then the next part is, well, what does it mean? What does it look like to be a disciple. How will people know that we're disciples? And so, again, I want to clarify the mission, but we also need to understand the method, which is what we, we, we see here in this passage. In verse 34 of John 13, it says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So John is giving the command. He's saying, people will know that you're a disciple. That is, we're called to make disciples. Well, how will we know that you're a disciple? By your love, how you love people. This is how we'll know that you're a disciple. And so if you want to fill in the blank there in your notes, it's this. Our method is love. Our method needs to be about love. Our mission is about making disciples, but our method is about love. And this is important because as a church, we have to constantly be thinking, how can we up the love quotient? That is, how can we help create an atmosphere of love so that people will slow down long enough to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? And if we don't have that atmosphere of love, we'll miss it. And this is why the method of love is so important. Because a mission statement, as great as it can be, won't change someone's life. But love does. A mission statement, as great as it can be, it's not going to change people. But when they experience unreasonable love, when they're cared for, when they're listened to, when they're served, that changes people. It opens their hearts. 
And this is why it's so important. And this is a statement that I think is important for us to recognize that a mission statement is what hangs on the wall, and that's important, but our method is what people feel walking down the hall. We can have a great mission statement, but if they don't feel love walking into this church, walking down the hall, it won't make a difference what our mission statement is. And so the atmosphere that we create who we are, how we live our lives matters so much. Let me show you a mission statement, okay? A mission statement I want you to see. Inspiring smiles through delightful experiences. Anyone know whose mission statement that is? It is Arby's mission statement. Arby's. Inspiring smiles through delightful experiences. Now, here's the deal. I want to pick on Arby's just for a moment, okay? (laughs) I'm going to pick on Arby's, but I'll say this. I like Arby's. I love their curly fries. My kids love their curly fries. We go to Arby's for the curly fries, and so we're big fans of Arby's. Now, but I'm going to pick on them just for a moment, okay? Because (laughs) as a family, um, we went to an Arby's restaurant, and this is their mission statement. I didn't realize that this was their mission statement, but let me tell you, um, my experience... um, a while back at a, a certain Arby's did not inspire smiles through a delightful experience. As I walked into the Arby's with my family, it was filthy. It was, there was mess, uh, messes on tables. It was just, it was, it was in disarray, the, the dining area. So it was one of those things where you walk in, you're like, Maybe we're going to get the order to go today. You know, that was kind of the thought. Or, you know, as a family with kids, you have wet wipes or something. You're like, well, I've got to sterilize this table before we sit down here. The chairs, the floor, whatever is around it. Because it just, it wasn't a good, it, was, it wasn't inspiring a delightful experience. So let's just say that, okay? So we're there. Now, as we come into the Arby's, um, we were not greeted. We may have been grunted at. I'm not sure. But we were not greeted. And um, we weren't, there were not, I think there's one other person there in the dining room uh, as we're, you know, going up for our order. Um, but all of us, my family and this other person were just standing there. The people who were, you know, the, you know, to take our, there to take our order were almost oblivious to the fact that we were there. They were doing different things. They were talking to each other. So we're waiting, we're waiting, we're getting closer and closer. And it's like, okay, finally someone acknowledges us. They say, what's your order? And they say it about just like that. <laughs> what do you want? It's like, okay. Um, so we make our order. And then um, it was, you know, wasn't, honestly was not a friendly exchange. It was just a transaction. And then we step back and we wait. And we wait. And we wait. What felt like forever. Now, when you're in a fast food restaurant, I mean, 10 minutes is going to feel like a long time, right? And I don't know how long it was, but it did feel like a long time, especially when you have four hungry kids <laughs> wanting their curly fries. And so all I can say is we eventually did get our food. Um, again, no, you know, no apology or no recognition that, yeah, you were waiting for quite some time. I'm sorry about the delay. Nothing like that at any point in the experience. We left not with inspired smiles, and it was not a delightful experience. Now, we like Arby's. We will go back to Arby's, but I'll tell you what, we haven't gone back to that Arby's. And you probably have had your experiences similarly, right? Where you've been to certain places, and what you experienced there was not delightful. It wasn't inspiring a smile. In fact, you were frustrated you're, 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 you feel ignored, whatever it might be. 
Maybe it's a customer, you know, call on a customer service line, and you're like, this is driving me crazy, you know what I mean? And you've been there, and you're like, I don't know if I want to go back. And that's the reality, that we can have a, the greatest mission statement in the world, but if we don't have a method, a system that cares for people, that loves people, that recognizes people, that walks with people, that listens to people, it really won't matter. If people come to South Hills Church, if they come in through the doors and they're not greeted, and they walk into the lobby and they're not quite sure where to go, and they've got kids, and no one's saying, hey, you've got kids, are you new? Can we help you get to where you need to go and walk them down to the kids' area and help them understand how the systems work and what this looks like? And if the areas aren't clean, if they aren't taken care of, it's, it communicates something. If those same people come into the worship center and they sit down and they're never acknowledged, they're never greeted, no one ever at least even stops to say hi to them. And they leave without any personal contact, with any personal connection, and they leave the church. Are they going to want to come back? Now, they may give it a second chance, and I hope they do. Because any one of us could have that experience at any church, and it's not just South Hills, it's any church. Anyone can have that experience. But I don't want that to happen here. I want us to have a church that says, yeah, we're, we're committed to our mission. But we also recognize that our method is love. That we can't miss the fact that we need to up the love quotient every, in every place, in every corner of our church and our ministries. And it goes beyond that to your neighborhood to your school, to your workplace, that people would say, man, you love me unreasonably. You recognize me when no one else does. You serve me when I was a jerk. You would said a kind word to me, and I haven't had that in a long time. When we love people unreasonably, it opens their heart so that they can hear the message that we have to share, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Missions don't change people, but the method does. So it's important that our mission statement is important. We need it. We recognize it. But our method is what people feel when they're walking down the hall. So it's important for us to say, yeah, this needs to be what we're about, what we're called to. And I just love, in some ways, in many ways, what I've seen here at South Hills Church, I have experienced a loving congregation. I've experienced loving people. And so um, my, my experience and maybe your experience is that's that love that drew you here. It's what you did experience as you walked in the door. Someone greeted you. Someone said hi to you. Someone sat next to you when you were alone or like gave you some space, but then at least acknowledged you on your way out. And that spoke love to you too. I don't know what it might be, but that you went into an environment and you said, um, hey, this children's ministry area, they're organized and it's clean. I've, I love, I've talked with Heidi and many times and she's like, you know, I know, I know that it's important for for parents that they're dropping off kids, that there's a clean nursery, that there's a clean classrooms. And it does matter, doesn't it? It really does matter. And I love that the children's ministry team recognizes that and wants to love parents and love kids in a way that they can feel, a way that they can see. I love that um, Jim is one of the, you know, I call him the champion of the online church experience. Um, that if you're watching online, if there's any hiccup, if there's any challenge, that Jim is always on it saying, how can we care for those who are online? 
And so sometimes they're not, they, they, you, it's easy to maybe miss that, but there's someone here on staff who's constantly saying, how can we create a better experience for them? How can we not miss and ignore the fact that there are people who, um, who are part of our church that we can care for in that space? There's, I, I can see that and I can play that out in lots of different arenas with lots of different members of this church, um, and you're a part of that, that we as a church get to be a part of loving people and opening the door for them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the next thing that I want you to see. The next, the next, um, the next thing that in terms of what we need to be about, oh, I'll just mention this, this is so good. <laughs> Before we go to the third one, I forgot I, I added this passage because I think it's so great. 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard this passage before, but I'll just, maybe at wedding or something, but I'll just read it to you. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That is, if I, have, if I have great words but don't have love, it's just noise. And, and that's important. Then the next verse, it says this, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Again, we can have great wisdom and we can have great faith, but we, if we don't have love, it's empty. And then the next verse, verse 3, says this, if I have all... If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So you can do great works for God. You can serve and sacrifice, but if you don't have love, it's not, it's meaningless. And so again, this passage is so powerful, just saying love is the method. Love is the method. Okay, now the third one. <laughs> I'll finally get to it. Our message. The third one is our message. And this is so important. Our message is the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. And that will never change. That the good news is good news. That Jesus Christ came and took the place to die for, for sinners like you and me so that we could have forgiveness, so we could have healing, and we could have new life. This is good news. And it's a good news that can't change, that can't be compromised, that we have to, at all times, in all places, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We can love people, we can serve people, but we need to point them to a Savior who has died on the cross for them, for salvation. This is the good news that we get to proclaim. And the passage I want to show you is this. It says this in um, Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, amen. Next verse. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Next slide. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is good news. And listen, people won't experience or know the good news unless people proclaim it. And it's not just my job or the other teaching pastor's job to proclaim the good news, although we get to and we, we, we are grateful for the opportunity to be a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ. But this passage says, blessed are those who uh, bring, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news, those who are sent. You, the church, are being sent to your um, family, to your workplace, to your neighborhood, to your community to bring good news that you also have the opportunity to point people to Christ. Um, and this is, this is so important for us to get. We can't miss it. Now, finally, let me just give you a couple of application points before we, before we close our time. We need to stay on mission. In order to stay on mission, we need to do a couple of things. First, we need to invite and invest in people. That there's a part of us that says we need to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, but we also need to intentionally invest in them so that they can grow in their relationship with Jesus. 
And so I want to encourage you on both ends. Who is it that you need to invite into a relationship with Christ that you need to reach out to? But who is it that you also need to come alongside and intentionally invest in so that they can keep growing? Whether that's just simple meeting with them to pray, whether that's inviting them into a life group, whether that's inviting them to come to church and sit with you, how is it that we can intentionally invest in their growth and development? The second one is this, that we need to love others unreasonably. Love others unreasonably. That not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week, as we are going, that is, as a lifestyle, we're saying, how can we love people unreasonably? How can we serve them? How can we care for them and love them with our words, with our actions, with our attitudes? How can we love them? There's lots of different ways, but we need to love people unreasonably so that our hearts open up to the good news, which is the next one. We need to proclaim the good news. When you love people unreasonably, it opens their hearts so they can hear about Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so then we have to be ready to proclaim it and not be afraid to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And then lastly is this, that we need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our church so that we can stay on mission, so that we can love people unreasonably, so that we can invite them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let's pray together now. God, as we come before you, we, we um, do want to be people who hear your word and respond to it. That we want to be on mission as a church. And we ask that you would help us as a church to stay on mission, to love people unreasonably, to continue to proclaim the good news, the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. But we also pray, God, that you would help us individually to be on mission that we would, as a lifestyle, as we are going and living life, that we are looking for how we can fulfill that great commission that you're calling us to, to make disciples, to walk with people and help them, help them as they find Jesus, to walk with people and help them follow you, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would give us spiritual eyes, sensitivity to those around us, that you're calling us to reach so that we could be on mission together with you. We thank you so much, God, for the good news that you loved us so much you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to give us life. Lord, help us to reflect that life, the good news to those around us. We pray this in your name, amen.